The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Lord, I ask that you'd help us see. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Tell you what, you guys this morning are looking pretty good. You're a good-looking group of people today, all right? You are looking good. Let me ask you this. Anybody just roll out of bed and you just naturally look this good? Any, any, any of you guys? There's some of you like, I just, I woke up this way, right? Guys with that buzzed hair or no hair, you know, whatever. You just roll out and you just look this good. The rest of us had to wake up and what do we have to look at first thing in the morning? We got to look at that mirror, right? Okay, I say you look good. There might be a couple in here. You like, you looked at the mirror and you like went, eh, whatever, right? And, and, and uh, hopefully, hopefully not, hopefully not, right? See, we, we, uh, we roll out of bed. If we're going to look good, we got to look in the mirror and we got to be able to do something about it. In fact, uh, what we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about today is, is an illustration that, that James gives us that talks exactly about this word. You see, we, we're in the series, Faith and Love, and, and we referenced this a few weeks ago. Well, we, we've, been, we've been talking about like, what is authentic, right? We have that, the, the, the sign out above our, our welcome center that says authentic faith, genuine community. We here, we want something real, right? We don't want the fake stuff. We don't want uh, fabricated faith. We want something that's genuine, like we talked about several weeks ago, like that Jesus, like a good steak, right? <laughs> We don't want the overdone stuff. We don't want the underdone stuff. We want, we want the quality something. And we believe that, that in, in, in this spiritual life, in this life that we have with God, there's something real. There's something that's going to just leave you coming back for more. Amen? And when we taste of the goodness of God, there's something real there. Um, but here's the deal. So we, we want to follow Christ and all that he has for us. But what Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, is that like it's not about like just this religious activity. Religious activity being our attempts to, to, to close the gap between us and God. Earning some points, right? What is it about? It is about, he says, none of that stuff matters. He says, the only thing that counts, Galatians 5, 6, the only thing that counts in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus, is faith expressing itself in love. Now, love is easy. And we're just going to recap. This is our last week of, of talking about faith and love. Well, I mean, at least in the series. Hopefully, we continue to talk about faith and love. But in the series here today, and, uh, and as we talk about this, I want to recap a little bit. You guys remember we've been, what, what chapter? Let's see who's paying attention. What chapter have we been talking about the last two weeks? 1 Corinthians 13. There you go. Oh, we even had some verses shared. Man, you guys are paying attention. All right. 1 Corinthians 13. And, and we read that, and we're like, yeah. I agree with that. But then we contrast it with like, okay, the love is patient, love is kind, love is, we contrast it with the world's form of, of love. And all of a sudden we realize, right, nobody reads 1 Corinthians 13 and says, nah, that's not true. But what happens when we begin to look at our own life and compare what we see in our own life with what we see in Scripture? See, James, James chapter 1, verse 22 says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. Hey, okay. Looking good today. 
and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. So here, this mirror. Um, you know what's funny is that, that I have five girls that live in my house. Um, so you'd think, oh, of course it'd be easy to get a handheld mirror. Um, this is actually my mirror. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I've got to trim the, the back of the neck sometimes, you know, it's helpful. Anyway, so we've got this mirror here, and, and when I look into the mirror, I see, I see me, right? I see uh, everything about me. I see the things that I, I like, and I see the things that I don't like. But when you wake up in the morning and you look into that mirror, I don't know what you look like when you first get up, roll out of bed, and look in the mirror. Any, any, of, you, any of you have uh, see something that kind of resembles kind of resembles this here. Anybody wake up looking kind of like that this morning? Anybody? You just like roll out of bed. You're like, yeah, you know what it looks like? That's, that's, what, that's, that's how you wake up after um, watching an, a, an evening Husker game when they lose by three points. Like I don't even have, I don't even have the energy to wipe the Cheeto crust off my face this morning. All right. You can't look at that any longer. We got to switch that. That's, that's intimidating. All right. That's, that's scary stuff. So you, you get up and you look like that. Any, anybody else say, okay, that was actually a lot closer to what I looked like when I rolled out of bed than what you get right now. Anybody, anybody? Well, okay, right? Why? We're a mess, right? Anybody else? Like when we roll out of bed, we are a mess. And I love this illustration that, that James gives. And he says, the word of God is like a mirror, right? In what way is it like a mirror? I don't know. Okay, this is what it says. He gives two illustrations. He says, it's like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. I want you to notice something. What is he looking at? Not the mirror. Like, I don't look at the mirror because I want to see the mirror, do I? I look at the mirror because I want to see me. He looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what it looks like. Could you imagine? Oh, let me see that picture again. Let me, let me see that amazing. Let me see that amazing. Oh, yeah, a good-looking guy right there. Okay. Could you imagine if I woke up this morning and I looked in the bathroom mirror and I saw that picture and I was like, wow, I'm a mess. And then just put on my shoes and just came to church. Could you imagine? And then just forgot about it? Like, that would be ridiculous. People don't do that, right? Healthy, normal, mature people. Don't do that. And yet, James says, like, this is what it's like when we come to God's word and we, and we read God's word and we see the mess and then we close it and we put on our shoes and we go. And he says, and he contrasts that to something else. And he says, but whoever looks intently, right? It's not just like, a, like through the fog, like before my glasses, like, oh, yeah, that's not good. Okay, whatever. No. So somebody rubs the sleep out of their eyes, puts their glasses on and says, okay, I need to fix some things. I'm glad that some of you went from that to what you look like now. I'm really glad, right, that you looked intently and that you took care, like, oh, yeah, we're, oh, we're not going to the, go there. But, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, They'll be blessed in what they do. 
So here, here's something that's interesting. So James says that whoever looks into the word of God and looks intently, and he calls it this, and we'll touch on this here at the end, looks into the perfect law that gives freedom, not forgetting what they've seen, but doing something about it, says that person is going to be blessed in what they do. But then he contrasts that with something else. So I want to look at, I want to look at four, four different misuses of the mirror, okay? Four different misuses of the mirror, okay? If you're, if you're taking notes, uh, four different misuses of the mirror. How do we misuse this mirror, right? What is it for? It's so that we can look at ourselves, we can go, oh, 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 I got to fix some things make the adjustments, and then go throughout our day, okay? So I'm going to look at, the first one is the one that James says explicitly. But I believe there's some others that we're going to look at as well. So the f- number one is this. He looks in the mirror, and they forget what they see. The first, t- the first way we misuse the mirror is when we look in the mirror, and then we forget what we see. Um, this is, this, and I'll show you where this takes place. This is where we got to be careful, because... There's this trend that's happening right now. That it's easy to see how where it plays in, but it's like this conviction church culture. And this is what I mean. We understand, like those of us in here, right, we know that this, this, this hour and a half that we're here together, like this is not like the entirety, the fullness of everything that is church, right? We, we get that, right? Then this is just like our main gathering. This is like our weekly gathering. This isn't all of church life. But when we reduce what the church is down to one little hour and a half gathering, and then we get everything that we need from that one little church experience, and then we think we can go and just cruise the rest of the, that, that's a dangerous way of thinking. And what happens with that way of thinking is this, is that I come to my, my church moment forgetting that the church is the body, forgetting that the church is interaction all week long, forgetting that the church is encouragement and building one another up and engaging in one another, uh, forgetting that part. We, we just think it reduce it down to this experience, and then we want to make sure that this experience is as good as we can possibly make it, right? And so what does that mean? It means that I feel the warm fuzzies in worship, and it means that when the preacher says something sharp, I go, ooh, that was good. And, and, and we've started to, uh, uh, to conform to this conviction church culture, which means I sit, I've been there, guys, friends, I've been here. I sit in a sermon, whether it's me preaching or whether it's one of the other pastors or elders preaching or, or whether you're listening to a podcast or, or, or listening to your favorite preacher. We, we hear the word spoken to us, spoken over us, and then we come away with this Wow, that was so good. Why? Because he stepped on all my toes and I felt the conviction and then I get up and I go to lunch. And nothing's the same. How was church? Oh, it was so good. Listen, my prayer is that when you leave here today and every Sunday that you're not talking about how good church was but about how good God is. That we would get up and say, wow, God was there with us and he showed me He showed me things about me that I now need to go address. 
And whether that's whether we're gathered together on a Sunday morning or you're cracking open your Bible and, and doing your soap guide or reading through the Word, however you do that, you, you, you open the Word and we go, oh man, that conviction was great. And we've learned to fall in love with conviction, but we've, we, we've developed this habit of conviction without action. And what does it produce? It produces uh, this habitual Christian lifestyle where we look into the word and we feel that, ooh, and then we put down the mirror, we put on our shoes and we go throughout our day. This is dangerous. Conviction is beautiful, but let's not take it for granted. Conviction is a tool of the Holy Spirit, but let's make sure that it's like James is talking about, it is moving us into action. Amen? Some of us are ready for action. Amen? All right, I need some help here today, all right? Number two, here's the thing. Like, when we look into the mirror, we, we got all these mirrors behind it. Um, when we look into the mirror, um, Sometimes we look into it and we look intently and we allow it to bring change. Other times we look into it and we see the mess and we walk away and um, we do nothing about it. We forget about it. But there's other ways that we can misuse this mirror. You know, one of the implications that James has here is you look into the mirror and you either do something about it or you look into the mirror and you forget about it. What is the implication here of what you're seeing in the mirror? Is it good? No, right? The implication is you're looking at things and going, ooh, there's some change that needs to take place. How many many of us know that when we look into the word of God, he inevitably is going to challenge us to continue to grow, right? That's the the palatable way to say that, okay? Let me say it, rephrase it in a more uh, practical way. It's going to cause us to change, Fewer amens, <laughs> right? Like you can't grow if you don't change, right? Beth, uh, references number, Beth has become a plant lady since 2020, okay? I'll tell you what, when, when she buys the little baby plants, sometimes she plants from seeds or bulbs, sometimes she buys the little baby one. Listen, if, if when she buys that, she plants that in the ground, if it were just to stay there, That'd be disappointing, wouldn't it? Like that little, that little plant needs to, to grow and blossom and turn into a flower or do whatever it does. I can't keep up with which ones do what anymore. Uh, but you know what that requires? Change. And so here's the thing. When we look at the word of God, when we open it up, like the word grow sounds beautiful. The word change sounds miserable. Semantics, right? The truth of the matter is God is calling us to constantly look into his word and allow the Holy Spirit to do its work in us that would motivate us to change. Right? Right? Anybody love change? Anybody just like absolutely? There's some people who love change for the sake of change. But then if nothing's changing, you get irritated, right? That's probably. Most of us, we, we're a little bit resistant to it because it means that where I'm at right now, where I've grown comfortable is no longer acceptable. 
I'll tell you what, every time God teaches me a lesson that I think I've, I've got it, anybody else, anybody else, let me just see, how many of you are like, I've, God has taught me something and I've just, oh yeah, I got it. And as soon as you're like, I got it, he goes and stretches you to the next step in that exact same area. Anybody else that ever happened to me? God, I have faith to step out and trust you. And the moment you do, he says, okay, how about this step? You're like, ah, do I really have faith again? God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow you in serving. I've, God, I'm sorry for my, hum, my, my pride. Wow, you broke me of my pride. God, I need to serve. I understand. I need to serve. And then he's like, I want you to do this. You're like, wait, what? Right? The moment we think we're there, God says, I, I got more for you. And so when we open the Word of God, I hope that we're opening it and saying, God, let me see clearly. Let me see me. Psalm 139. David says. God, look at me and test my heart. Know my anxious. God, if there's anything in me, God, help me see. So the first misuse of that mirror is when we look in the mirror and we forget what we see. Number two is one who looks in the mirror and sees what they want to see. Someone who looks in the mirror and sees what they want to see. This is the person who, every time you open the Bible, you see the same thing. Usually, the things that you're passionate about. Now, now here's the thing. There's some of this is just the beauty of, of, of our differences and the beauty of the, the body of Christ. Some of this is, is, is natural and it is designed this way, okay? But let me give an example. First uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 15 is a, is a familiar verse to some of us. It's always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect, okay? So I'm going to read this verse of scripture from, do, from two different personality types, two different mindsets, okay? The one who's, who's a goer, who's a doer, you, the Great Commission is your favorite thing. Go change the world is the fuel that you live on. Okay, how many of those are in here? How many, how many doers, how many goers, entrepreneurs? Oh, let's see a show. How many guys are like ready to go? That's it? We need to go get some more doers out there, okay? There's some of you, right? And when you read this verse, you're like, always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that you have. Yeah, let's go. Let's go talk about Jesus. Why aren't people engaged? Man, well, look at this. If we don't understand this, if we don't grasp this, if we don't understand why, Man, I got so excited, I scared a baby. Sorry about that. <laughs> but that's how passionate you are. Ah, oh, forget the baby. We're going for it, right? That's just... There's some of you are there. And you look at those who seem to not be, have that same passion, and you're like, come on, man. This is what's wrong with the church. Why aren't you there yet? Don't you understand if you're not doing, if you don't have the same level of passion, ah, why can't you? And you begin to see that and that becomes a frustration for you. And then there's this, this other group of people that maybe you're more fixated on, on like I just, like the, the peace of God. That's like my thing. And, 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 and everything done and, and orderly. And I, I, I'm more about character of, of, of the church, maybe even, that's, that's really where my focus is. And so you look at this verse and you go, but do this with gentleness and respect. Man, this is the key to the whole thing. How come you're, like, come on, why, why do you have to be so abrasive? We're not supposed to be abrasive for Jesus. Like, you need, don't you remember kindness leads to repent? Come on, just cool it down a little bit. This is what's wrong with the church, and this is why we have a bad name, is because we can't do this with gentle. 
gentleness and respect. Do we see a problem here? See, when we come to Scripture and we only see what we want to see, we fail to grow. Even if what we're seeing is good, guess what? Both of those perspectives are God-ordained. You know that, right? Both of those perspectives, it's, it's when we begin to say, like, my passion should be the passion, and if you don't have my passion, then you're broken somewhere. And I open up the scripture and be like, yes, this is what I'm talking about. How come everybody else isn't here with me? Rather than opening up the mirror of God's word and say, man, I want to go reach people for Jesus. But you know what? Maybe, my ta- maybe I need to rethink how I'm, how, how I'm engaging people. I, I could probably grow in my capacity to love people that I'm sharing Christ with. Or maybe you're like, you know what, I'm all about the love. And look at this verse, it says right what I'm saying. But you know what? I realize I kind of hide behind that and I don't actually share my faith like I should. I need to remember to always be ready because I'm not. Do you see the difference in how we read scripture? You see, it's so easy. And we can spiritually justify it all. It is so easy for us to, to, to begin to just see what we want to see in Scripture. God, I'm going to read your word, and I'm going to pick out my favorite parts. I'm going to read your word, and I'm going to filter it through the things that come naturally to, you, to me, the, my passions, and I'm going to miss everything else. Throw that picture, throw, throw that gross picture of me up again. All right. See, could you imagine if I looked at this picture uh, if I looked at that picture in the morning and I was like, wow, my forehead has no Cheetos on it at all. That's, man, my earlobes are so perfectly symmetrical. Man, I am doing good. Like, that's a problem, isn't it? Like, like if we, and so often we, we, we read the word like that, we read it and we just say like, I want to see what I want to see. I'm going I'm I'm to use the word to, to, to see all the pretty parts of me. And James said, okay, that's enough. That's enough. Oh, that's enough. We, we only can take that in limited doses. All right? James says that, that, that when we look into the word of God, we're not just looking at the word. We're looking to see us. Right? All right, number three. Number one, we look in the mirror and we forget what we see. Number two is the one who looks in the mirror and, and they sees what they want to see. Number three is one who looks in the mirror and justifies what they see. So we've been looking at, at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's, it's a beautiful passage of scripture. And it says, love is patient. Love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrong. Doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, it never fails. That is beautiful, isn't it? And so we can, we can look at that and we can see what we want to see. We can look at that and then we can forget what we see. Or we could look at that and then we can justify what we see. Right? This is how we typically do it. Right? You look at the picture and you're like, oh man, I got earwax dripping out of my ears. That's gross. But at least it's not snot out of my nose. You know what I'm saying? Like, at least I'm not. That's one of our favorite justifications, isn't it? Like, oh, man, I haven't shaved in a day or two. 
<laughs> but at least I'm not that guy who hasn't shaved in a year or two, right? Right? We, we tend to justify, at least I'm not, or, or we do this. We have a scriptural argument for every spiritual deficiency. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Hey, and I'm patient. Love is patient. I'm patient. Right? I know that where I'm at right now is, may not be where you are. And so I can, I can, you know what? God just gave me this new revelation, and I know you should be there too, but you're not, so I'll give you the week. A month even. You know, I, God has shown me some things, and I've grown, and I've matured, and you're not there yet, and hey, that's fine, and it, it, until it's not, Right? And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm no longer patient. I get easily irritated, and I get angered, and I, and I get frustrated. But you know what? You know why I'm frustrated? It's because I'm mature, and you're acting immature. And immaturity, Paul says, crave meat, not milk. You've been on milk so long that, like, like you're they're so immature. If you're immature that long, like, God says, like, I wish you were hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. If you don't mature, you're just lukewarm. I'm going to spit you out of the mouth like God does. Guys, I can do this all day. We have a scriptural argument for every spiritual deficiency. Love is kind, and I'm kind. I can, I can be kind to people who agree with, with, with rich and poor. I can be kind to social haves and have-nots. I can be kind to you if, if you've got no education or more education. I can be kind about your, your, your background, your ethnicity. Your, uh, I can be kind even to your religious perspective. Like, I can be kind in your political uh, views as long as you keep them to yourself. I can be kind. I can be kind until you say something I disagree with, and then I just got to be right. Because the Bible says to address heresy and what you're speaking is falsehood and God says expose that falsehood and I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to correct you no matter what it takes. I have a scriptural argument for every spiritual deficiency. I won't waste our time, but I think you get the point. Uh, we could go through every characteristic of love and undo it so that I feel good about my lack of ability to love. When, hey, remember where this whole thing started? Friends, this is the only thing that counts. <laughs> this is the only thing that counts. So friends, can we, this is so hard, can we be humble enough to say, God, I, I'm, I'm looking at the mirror and I'm not patient I'm not going to make any excuses for it. God, just teach me how to be patient. God, I, I don't know how to not keep record of wrong. That, that, that makes no sense. I get you can like forgive and forget and stuff, but I'm human. Tell me how that even works. There's, that, that's not physically possible. Therefore, let me undo what the scripture says about love. We are so good at professional mirror looker-atters. 
We're so good for finding a scriptural argument to justify every spiritual deficiency. Friends, we have to learn to be (laughs) humble if we're going to be able to love. Third misuse of the mirror looks in mirror and they justify what they see. Number four, and the last one we'll look at today, is the one who looks at the mirror. This one changes, notice. Not looks in the mirror anymore. Looks at the mirror and doesn't see. This is what I mean. Like, these are nice mirrors, aren't they? Like, look, these, are, these are really nice mirrors. Like, look at the way, this one, like, swivels and stuff. That's pretty sweet, isn't it? Like, ooh, I can, like, cast lights on everybody. Let's see if I can get you. Uh, all right. These, these are, this is a nice one. Like, it stands up by itself. Like, it kind of, like, this would be really good at our house because, let's be honest, Beth and I would definitely need very different angles on this. Okay? Oh, oh, oh. Um, these one, oh, this one, nice. I like the whole stand up by yourself thing. Like this, like look, ooh, look at the, look at the, ooh, I'll pretend you didn't see that part. Uh, but look at, uh, look at this fine, oh, this is, these are really nice. Now, could you imagine if, if in the morning, instead of going to look at myself in the mirror, uh, to be able to see what I look like, every morning I just got up in the morning and just like, uh, just like oohed and awed over, oh man, that was so nice. Man, look, and we, I just, every morning I just get up and I just like to swivel it. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it just, it just feels good. Just like, I'm so, I'm infatuated with this mirror. Like, look at the way that it like reflects. It's so clean. It's, there's a problem with that, isn't there? Because what happens if, is, is, number four, if I look at the mirror and don't see, basically meaning I'm, I'm looking at the mirror and I forget its purpose. There's some of us, and, and I want you to, I, I don't want you to, to, to hear something I'm not saying, okay? So just bear with me here for a minute. There's some of us who've become so infatuated with the word that we've forgot its purpose. Now, listen, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. I love the word. I read it daily. You know, I was just talking with some friends on, on, on Thursday, meeting with a group of guys, and we're, we're talking about how, like, so often we get our heads stuck in, like, the, the news cycle, right? And, 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 and what happens? Your stress level rises. You become more easily angered. You become anxious. You become fearful. You become easily agitated. All these things that are contrary to the character of God, but then you just open up the word and there's a peace that comes. Whether it's something that you like or something you don't like, there's something that, that that's just is a calming nature. Anybody experienced that in the word before? Like there's something so rich about the word that, and, and, and man, you should cherish it. But listen, let's just be careful that in our cherishing, we don't don't forget what it's for. You know, when, when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandments, he says, love God. And then he says this, the second greatest commandment is like it, to love your neighbor as, as yourself. Like there's like love God, and then like right underneath it, right there, is, is love everybody else. Like they're, they're kind of synonymous, but obviously love God's first, and then the next is like an expression of that. See, I, I would argue that the purpose of scripture is similar. What is the purpose of Scripture? It's so that we could see God, right? And the second purpose is like it, so that we can see ourselves. Because we can have a lofty view of God, but we don't know how to view ourselves in light of God. This this me and God thing is a relationship. I need to know where I am in my standing with him. 
And some of us, we, we've, we've so been infatuated with this that we love to study it and we forget to see our reflection in it. And what, what happens, oh, is we can do our devotions in the morning then we get up and we put on our shoes and nothing changes. We can read the verse of the day and we can go, that was so good, I think I'm gonna repost that on social media. Nothing changes. We read a passage of scripture and I'm like, that's teachable, that's my next sermon. But nothing changes. We are infatuated with the word and we forget its purpose. We're infatuated with the mirror and we just, ooh, look at that. It's so, oh, it's got these little designs on the back. That's neat. And we forget to take a look. The purpose of Scripture is to show us where we are. So I'm going to come back to what James says the purpose is. It says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and, and continues in it. This isn't a one and done and continues in it. Hey, you did a one-year Bible reading last year. You read the whole thing from cover to cover in a year. Good for you. Continue in it. Not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it. So they'll be blessed in what they do. Listen, there is a blessing of God that is released in your life. Listen, this isn't like a works-oriented salvation. We, don't, we can't earn our salvation. But as we align ourselves to the principles of God's word and we put this in action, when we, when we look into the word and go, there's chocolate and, 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 and stuff in my teeth and, and my hair is a mess, God, I, I, want to, I want to align myself with the image of you. And as we begin to do that, there is a blessing, a supernatural blessing of God that is released as we set our hearts and our lives to be formed into the likeness of Jesus. He wants to transform you. And yet some of us have grown complacent with the morning disheveled look. Hey, Jesus loves me as I am. That's great. He does. That is 100% true. But he wants to see you grow and be healthy. So we got to look at his word. Now let me, let me make sure I clarify something. There might be some in here, you're, you're hearing this and you're like, you're becoming keenly aware of your inadequacies. That part is part of looking into the Word. What's happening in our heart may or may not be from God in that moment. Listen, there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. And we need to be, under, we need to be aware of this. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he says, there, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? See, condemnation is when I become aware of my mess, my sin, my shortcomings, the salad in my teeth. 
when I become aware, when I look at the word and, and I see who God is and I see where I fall short, condemnation is what happens when I see that difference and I listen to the voice of the enemy, I listen to the voice of, of the devil, and this is what he says. It's like, who does that? I'm not going to ask to show of hands. I know this is just the tactic of the devil, so I know it's like across the room. But when you sin in a way that you're like, ah, I got tripped up again by the same stinking thing, I should know better who does that. Let me just tell you, the who does that voice is always the voice of the devil. God doesn't say who does that and rub your face in your sin. Condemnation brings guilt. Condemnation says, just, 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 just blows on the, 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 stokes the fire of shame. Paul says outright, therefore there is no, if you're in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. There's some of you that need to hear this. Some of you, you you've been sitting through this whole thing going like, I'm a mess. I'm a wreck. Man, I'm so terrible. I'm so horrible. Who does the things that I've done? Who can forgive the things that I've done? And the guilt begins to pile up and the shame, it begins to grow. Let me tell you what. The word speaks truth, but the devil will even use truth, twist it, and bring condemnation. This is when we stand on scripture Friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, listen, I know you're a mess, okay? There's no hiding this because I know I'm a mess. God didn't save perfect people to be perfecter. He saved broken people. Even like the song that we sang, I give you every piece. I know how you spiritually wake up looking all a mess like that. Or maybe you say, but nobody knows. God does, and guess what? There's no condemnation. So what'd you do you think is worse than anybody else in here? What'd you do? We all have. We've all got our own answer for it. Right, so we, I want to make sure we're very, very clear. When we open up the Word of God and, and we see how broken we are and we see what a mess we are, let me just remind you, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He says, rather, he brings conviction. And what he says is, is those who look into the, the perfect law that brings freedom. Where, where condemnation brings guilt and shame, conviction brings hope and freedom. So if you're still in a place where you go, like, I, 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 I can't get past my thing. You need to go to God and you give God your sin. Because what's happening is you're still carrying around like a ball and chain. And he's like, I got the key. There's no condemnation. No, listen to the lies of the devil. You're free. Here's, here's the best way I, I, I know to, to, to look at the difference. You ever worked for, for a boss that you're afraid that he's going to find out something you did that wasn't perfect? Right? There's that angst all the time when he walks by the door of your, your office or your cubicle. You, you, what's he going to say? Ah. And you feel like you're always having to hide. Because he knows that, you know that if he finds you doing something you're not supposed to do, he's just going to smack you. He's going to embarrass you. He's, right? But have you ever worked for a boss, direct report, whatever, somebody that you answered to, 
that had this ability to be able to bring correction to where you knew the path forward, but you almost didn't even recognize that he corrected you? Anybody? Anybody? I've had the privilege to be able to, to serve under privilege. Yeah, sure, a privilege of being able to serve under both bosses, right? The ones that made me feel afraid that I had to, like, I can't let my, my mess be seen. And I've also had ones that called me into his office and then corrected me and gave me some course correction. And then I left and I was like, I think I just got reprimanded. But I feel real good. If you haven't ever had that, I hope you do someday. Because this is the picture of God. It's the difference between condemnation and conviction. God is going to bring about growth, which means he's going to bring about change, but he's going to do it in a way that brings him glory and, and, and that is good for you. The word says that. And so, and so we come to the word today. And Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So what does this have to do with faith and love? <laughs> As we wrap up our, our faith and love series, let me tell you what it has to do with faith and love. And, and, and the reason I didn't lead with it is because I know we shut down so quickly <laughs> when we hear this is that the, one of the greatest obstacles of being able to love like Jesus loved us. Remember, that's his new command I gave you, to love the way I've loved you. One of our greatest obstacles. And it goes hand in hand with, with the religion that we talked about in week one, but I think it's even a step deeper. And that is self-righteousness. But you can't lead with self-righteousness because nobody's actually self-righteous. Because if you're not self-righteous, you think you're not self-righteous. And if you are self-righteous, then you also think you're not self-righteous. <laughs> but I want, I want to show you something here. The one who looks in the mirror and gets up and forgets what they sees is good enough in their own eyes. Which is another way of saying Self-righteous. See, the one who looks in the mirror and they only see what they want to see is, is because they think they're good enough. They want to stroke their own ego and they're self-righteous. The one who looks in the mirror and then justifies what they see is always looking for a reason to look good and to feel good. Which is self-righteous. The one who looks at the mirror and fails to see its purpose is self-righteous. Because they've put themselves above the mirror altogether, the word altogether. Jesus came, and we see it so clearly. When he came, he just like stuck it to the Pharisees and the religious people. Why? Because they were so self-righteous. We've just found our new, we've just found new ways to address it, to, to, to hide it, to mask it, to dress it up. 
But what self-righteousness says is that I'm good enough and most likely I'm better than you. Until you find somebody that you think is better than you and then you cower and in security. It's always playing this game. The self-righteous game. It's sizing myself up. It's looking at the word and, and forgetting it or wanting to see the good or justifying it or not seeing it all. And as long as we're playing this game, we will struggle inevitably to love. Because this is the heart of the gospel. This is it. You're broken. <laughs> and a mess. And that you're not good enough on your own merit. Like until we embrace the reality that we just can't. We'll never be able to embrace the reality of the freedom that comes from his word. So let's love. Let's lay down our pride. Let's lay down the masks. Let's lay down the disguises. Let's lay down the, the excuses. Let, let, let's look for what we need to see. See God and see us. Because when we see ourselves in our broken state, you know what it helps me do? It helps me love my broken brothers and sisters in Christ. When I'm keenly aware of my shortcomings, it becomes much, much easier to love people with different kinds of shortcomings. So friends, I'm not saying we're all broken at this, but I'm, I'm challenging us today. Some of you are, are killing it in your relationship with God. I don't know if that's even a thing that you can do. Like, you're awesome. But God wants you to grow. You're super mature. But he has deeper places he wants to take you. We want to you are looking as handsome as ever. But you still have a little something right here. <laughs> Let's look intently and find freedom. Amen? Father, we praise you and we thank you for the goodness of your word to us. And Lord, it's, it, to be honest, Father, if we do... <laughs> It's not even really a hard word because when we do this and we allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit, God, you bring freedom. And yet we resist. We know the freedom is there, but we keep our walls up. So God, give us the grace to trust you. Give us the strength to tear down the self-righteous walls that have been there for decades. Give us the courage, Father, to offer you our hearts. Like David. David was a mess. <laughs> We've read it. He was a mess. But you called him a man after your heart. So, God, why do we define our religious and spiritual lives by the morality or our ability to never fail? When you're after our hearts, God, I just confess on the basis of all of us, God, that we're a mess and we need your grace every day. So Father, today we stand on your truth. 
We reject condemnation. We reject the guilt and shame. Sure, we might feel it when we first look in the mirror, but God, he says, you took our guilt and you took our shame when you went to the cross. So Father, here we are, sin on our faith, face and reeking of morning breath. God, you see us. So we invite you to do your work of molding and shaping us. God, that we'd walk in a greater place of freedom in relationship with you, God. In your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.